Welcome to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Thank you for listening to my little podcast. Um, today's topic is the Holy Spirit. And I'm a little hesitant to talk about it because it's a little controversial, even though it's so important and it shouldn't be controversial amongst Christians. I I think the fact that it is controversial tells you how important it is that um, that we have to get it right, but we should not just ignore this topic because it is critical. So I, I hope that I can explain it so that it doesn't sound like, um, like some, some people think that, well, let's just get started. So the title of the podcast is, Are You Trying to Live the Christian Life Without the Holy Spirit's Help? Living the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is like riding a scooter, but using the pedals instead of turning on the motor. You'll get tired very fast, and it will take you a lot longer to get where you want to go. The Holy Spirit gives us God's wisdom and power for our Christian walk, our Christian journey. Another example of living by the Spirit could be when you want to travel somewhere, you can navigate with a basic idea of how to get there based on some information that other people have told you or just from kind of experience from, you know, going different places. But if you use Google Maps that has the the most up-to-date, in-the-moment information, you'll have a better chance of taking the shortest route and avoiding any obstacles like construction or accidents. And the same thing is with our Christian journey. We have a basic understanding of how God wants us to live in the live in his word. But when we seek him directly, um, he will help us in the moment. So in specific situations, The Holy Spirit shines a light on what we already know or what we're learning in the written word of God so that we can understand it, remember it when we need it, and let it fill us and transform our lives. It is literally a transformative power that's inside of us. The word is already there in the book or on a screen. But the spirit is inside of us. And when when we access that by believing that the word is true and we access the spirit by asking him for help and by not ignoring the help that he is sending, then then we have a much better chance of things going well because. God knows, like Google Maps, God has that overview. He can see what's going to happen down the road, and we can't. So he, he can guide us in the, in the path that we need to be on. 
And um, so all of us can have uh, a map or we can have the Google, Google Maps um, app on our phone, but not use it. So we might take a long time to get somewhere. And we can also have the spirit inside of us if we're saved, if we have trusted in Jesus as our savior and ask him to forgive us our sins. And um, now we are forgiven because when we have that faith, we are forgiven. So we are now in the family of God. But if we are not um, accessing our helper, our spirit um, that Jesus said he would send, then then we are not going to go very far in our growth as a Christian. The spirit is essential to that growth. I've noticed that many Christians get a little uh, nervous when anyone mentions the power that they have available to them in the Holy Spirit. They think that it's a little too mystical. In fact, there are churches that that downright um, downplay it, don't never even talk about the Holy Spirit. If they do, it's only in like the past tense or um, they just really don't mention it very much. But that has never made sense to me um, as a Christian because the Spirit is the greatest gift that Jesus gave us after he gave us forgiveness and reconciliation by his death. Um, he left us this gift to help us. Um, this gift of the Spirit is what makes us different from the Old Testament believers. In the Old Testament, um, God gave the Holy Spirit to certain people at certain times. But he could take it away and he did not give it to everyone. But now everyone who believes in Jesus has the spirit living inside of them as part of their Christian faith. Sadly, many Christians either do not know this or they are afraid of this powerful source, wisdom for living. The spirit is in you or in some people, but they are just not. They're ignoring it. Just like the moped, you could turn on that motor, but you just keep pedaling and trying to um, live the Christian life on your own power. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So where is that hope coming from? It's coming from the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit power gives us hope as we trust him and it gives us joy and peace. So it is not just a symbol or, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a big deal. Now, I'll tell you what it is not. It is not a worship style. It is not um, jumping up and down, falling down during a worship service. Um, I'm not talking about a type of religious um, practice like called being slain in the spirit. That is, that's not what I'm talking about. 
And I'm not talking about a special secret knowledge that some Christians have and others don't, because I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I am talking about something much more important, and that is truly believing that God means what he says. He says he will be with us, and he is. And he is with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just with us, cheering us on like a friend. He has the power to actually influence our situations and lead us like sheep. But we have to turn to him in dependence like a child. This requires faith and humility. And a lot of uh, people, you know, I mean, our natural, our fleshly self does not die when we get saved. It's just, um, it's still in us. So if we're not careful, we can keep on living in that flesh instead of living in our new spirit-powered um, heart that we received when we trusted in Jesus. Now, I suspect that many people think that believing in the power of the Holy Spirit is like believing in magic. So I want to point out that if you believe that there is an invisible God that he, that created the world and that he is going to judge you and he has the power to send you to hell or heaven, and if you believe that he sent a baby born of the supernatural union of a of a human woman and the spirit of God, in other words, the virgin birth, and if you believe that this baby grew up to be a God-man, fully God and fully man, and that when he died on the cross, his death um, substituted for our punishment, for our sins, and that, that this, this man, Jesus, came back to life after three days and was seen by many people. And then he went up into the clouds, and now he's with God. That is the gospel. That is what the Bible teaches. So if you believe all those things, you already believe in the supernatural. It is not magic. It's not voodoo from Satan. It's not evil powers. It's God's power. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you're not a Christian. Because the whole faith of Christianity is dependent on the fact that Jesus died and came back to life. Now, if we call ourselves Christians, then we are saying we believe in Jesus Christ, the word of God. The, the Bible says I, that Jesus is the word. And we do not want to leave, to leave out the written word or the spirit consider what jesus told his disciples about the spirit before he was crucified i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you and when he comes he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me 
concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay, that's Satan, in case you didn't know. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is John 16, verses um, 7 through 15. Now, the disciples, they did not understand what Jesus was saying when he told them those words. They didn't know what the helper was. They really did not even understand that he was going away. They were quite confused. And when he was crucified, they didn't believe that he was coming back, even though he said that he was. And he had told them several times. And then even after seeing him alive, after the resurrection, after he was out of the tomb, he still had to give them a little dose of the spirit to so that they could believe what they were seeing with their own eyes. They thought he was a ghost or something. They did not understand that he was fulfilling what was in the prophecies. But he told them to stay where they were and that they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just going to be that little temporary amount that he had breathed on them. It was going to be after he left, they were going to get the Holy Spirit inside of them. And this is what we call Pentecost. And when that happened at that moment, they were fully able to understand and believe all that he had told them. And then they began to go out into the world and teach and preach the gospel boldly. They were able to do miracles and they led the church and the church grew. So even though Jesus had died and disappeared, most people thought he was in a tomb, but he was actually up in heaven. um, The church grew because these disciples knew everything that Jesus wanted them to know, that the spirit gave them that information. So this is what it says in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that was Acts 2. And then in Acts 5, it says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. This was the disciples preaching. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So see, when when Jesus was still with them, 
he tried to explain what was going to happen, but they just couldn't understand it. But after he left and they had the Holy Spirit, then they could understand because the in, the Holy Spirit in, enlightened them. But does this apply to us too? Yes, we also have this enlightening power inside of us. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Psalm 143.10 says, uh, this is, remember, this is the Old Testament. The Psalms are in the Old Testament before Jesus. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Now, see, that person had the spirit in them. I think that was David. Um, in Ephesians, which is in the New Testament after Jesus, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Um, I don't have the rest of that verse, sorry. That was Ephesians 3. So what does it mean to live by the Spirit? Now, this is where things get complicated. Living by the Spirit is a simple concept that is very hard to put into human words. As I said, thinking of the moped, Pedaling means you're moving under your own strength and using the motor is like living by the spirit. You have both of them, but you have to choose which one are you going to use. Um, so you have to ask yourself, when you are living your day-to-day -day life, are you relying on trusting in praying to and believing that God is able to work things out in your life according to his will? Are you praying thy will be done and then surrendering to God's leading? Because that is what it means to live by the Spirit. It means you believe that God is able and willing to help you live according to his will. Now, does that mean that you don't do anything? No, you do what the Bible teaches. But now that you have the Holy Spirit in you, when you turn to the Spirit and you submit yourself to God's authority, he will use the Spirit to make the, the scriptures come alive to you. They will suddenly make more sense and they will, you'll be able to apply them to the things in your life that are happening. Now, this application of the scriptures takes a mental shift, a shift from relying on yourself to relying on God, just like a shift from pedaling to using the motor. It's an action. It's a, it's, you can't fake it, but it does take practice sometimes to, to know if you are just pretending like we, we humans are pretty good at lying to ourselves, 
And sometimes we think we are trusting God when we're still actually trying to make sure things go the way we think they should go. So this, this is where a close contact with God through prayer comes in. Now, Paul told the early uh, Christians to pray without ceasing, because this is how we know God's will, through prayer. So do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that you have to figure out what, what God's will is. It's, it's already been revealed in the Bible. Uh, and and the, the Spirit simply um, brings to mind the things that you need to know and helps you to understand how they apply to your current situation. So a lot, usually this will happen step by step. Uh, God's, God's not going to show you like a five-year plan for your life. He just doesn't normally work that way. I mean, well, I don't know, maybe he will reveal something to you, but you can't live that way. You have to live day by day um, in his his uh, under his authority now what does the bible teach us it teaches us to love others and love god so everything we do must be guided by that overarching commandment and those things such as um, being kind helping the poor and um, treating others the way we want to be treated those are not necessarily easy things to do. And that's why we need the spirit to help us actually live those things out. So the first step of living by the spirit is simply asking God to help you love him, help you love him more. And how do you do that? Read your Bible more. The more you learn about God and the more that you seek him, the more you will love him. And then that love for God will overflow in your love towards others. And why is this so important? Because God is going to have to do some work on you before he can really use you. Why? Because your Christian walk, your life is your loudest testimony. If you're trying to reach the world with the gospel, but your life is not, and you're not living in God's will, but according to the, the scriptures, you're not loving God and you're not loving people, um, then it's going to be pretty hard for you to help others come to Jesus because people are going to judge you by what they see more than what you say. Um, If you're showing love in a world that is full of selfishness and hate, that is going to make people want to know what is different about you. So let the Spirit reveal your flaws, be courageous, be humble, be willing to feel ashamed and sad about your sins, because only then can you let go of them. Let God cleanse you of the sins in your life and the, and the things that you may not even be aware of that you're doing because they're just habits. And, and I know that's a little scary, but the spirit is with you and not only will will God reveal your sin, but he will also comfort you when you feel sad about your sin. So he will never leave you alone. Now, one place our testimony is so important is at, is at work with non-believers. So remember, um, 
when you're at work, don't ruin your testimony. What should you do if you have a problem at work? Now, if you're living in your own power, you might try several things, such as reading a self-help book about human nature or um, some kind of a work book, you know, how to how to treat your co-workers or something. Um, you might talk to human resources or something like that. <clears throat> you might use trial and error to see if you can figure out how to fix this problem. Or maybe you'll just grit your teeth, try to stay silent, and pretend there's no problem. Now, those are things that um, that anyone can do. Not even You don't have to be a Christian to do those things. But if you're a spirit-led Christian, what should you do? Pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, according to Ephesians, right? So you go straight to God with your problem. Lord, I have this problem. I'm not sure how to handle it, but I trust that you know all things and you love me and you want the best for me. When I pray in your name for your glory, Lord, I want you to get the glory in this situation. I'm not going to rely on my own strength or wisdom. So when you pray like that, you have to believe that God is listening and he's going to help you because if you don't, then that's going to, that prayer is not going to do anything. Now comes the supernatural part, waiting to see what God is going to have you do. Now, this is where people struggle. They pray, but then they just keep on trying to fix the problem themselves. They don't wait on God. They keep peddling that moped. So the problem many of us have is knowing when to move and when to wait. Some of us are more than willing to do nothing and just say, well, God didn't tell me what to do. While others just keep uh, working, 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 and they're not waiting for the Spirit's guidance. The good news is that you don't, you don't have to worry. If you are truly seeking God's will, then you already know what to do show love. So just keep loving and keep doing a good job and keep doing the right thing in in that situation. Even if it, you know, even if you don't feel like you're solving the problem, God is working in the background. And then before you know it, I mean, he might solve that problem completely with you doing nothing, or he may open the door for you to, uh, to do something that you hadn't even thought of. So Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 is such a wonderful verse, um, and I think everyone should print it out and just remember it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. As I said, we are talking about supernatural help from the Spirit. It's hard to explain but it's not magical. It's just spiritual. So do what I said, pray, read your Bible, ask God for help and believe, and then just kind of keep your eyes and ears open and see what happens. You might get an unexpected visitor, an email, a phone call, a letter. You might see something on the news or um, you might find out that someone else already solved that problem. Or God might change the attitude in the person that was opposing you. Or you may just 
God just may give you peace that you don't need to even worry about this problem, that it's not your responsibility. Or you may uh, keep seeing a Bible verse popping up in front of you. Uh, I usually feel like if it's three times, if I get a verse three times, I usually, you know, and I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule, but if God keeps putting the same verse over and over in front of me, I just like to, you know, be sure that I'm acting on that verse if it is giving me, if it gives me like a commandment or something. Because you can't go wrong obeying God's word, right? Um, God sometimes waits for you to demonstrate your faith before he sends the help. So just just remember that your faith grows when you ask and trust. And then the more times you see God acting and you, the more like practice you get at trusting God, the easier it gets. And it we really, it shouldn't take any practice, but our flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So uh, one last thing I want to say what about people who claim God told me to do such and such evil thing? Like God told me to drown my children or God told me to kill this, you know, person or whatever. God will never contradict his own word and the Holy Spirit will never tell you to sin. He will never tell you to lie, seek revenge, cheat, steal, commit adultery. Um, divorce your husband, commit violence or murder or anything like that. So if you are hearing voices in your head telling you to do any of those things, then that is not from God. Okay, so there there could be a, plenty of other reasons for those voices. So you may need to seek help um, because sometimes people do hear voices. But I'm telling you now that that is not from God. God will empower you to obey the things that are in the Bible. He will not give you God will not give you commandments um, or instructions that that contradict his character. So that's why you need to know your Bible really well so you you can um, compare what what you think uh, God's will is versus what it says. Uh, so thank you again for listening. I, I pray that this podcast will bless you and that you will try to trust God more and let him guide you every day and let him watch as he transforms your life. And uh, thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you want to, please subscribe and check back and um, I will be putting out more podcast that I hope you will enjoy and learn from. Bye now.